Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Hey, uh, happy Monday to you, Daniel. Good to be here, man. Yeah, happy Monday to you, too. So Thanks, I had a buddy. busy weekend. Uh, <laughs> for those of you that missed it, I was just explaining to Joe before the show, you know I'm an open book my entire life to you all. Scars and all. Uh, bandages and all good, bad, ugly, and indifferent. Uh-huh. So this weekend, you know, on the weekends, I try to chill out a little bit like the rest of us, spend some time with my family. I usually, I work Saturday. I do that Saturday morning appearance on Fox and Friends and then Saturday night on Judge Jeanine. But Sunday's usually my day off. So I didn't have that opportunity this weekend because, you know, the left are, are silly, sick, deranged people. So they figured they would attack me over the weekend. Uh, some of you may have missed this, but apparently I appeared in a photo with the lady who owned the, uh, Joe, air quotes here, massage parlors, if you know what I mean, okay. um, down here in Florida. Uh-huh. So, yeah, the left thought it was a good idea. She's a, apparently some kind of a Republican donor. Uh, she's appeared in photos with just about everybody in Florida politics. So at an event supporting Ron DeSantis... For governor, mm-hmm. uh, she must have taken a selfie with me. Of course, I don't remember the picture. I have no idea who this lady is. Um, I don't even know if she's the owner of this place anymore. I don't even know. I've never met this lady in my life, uh, which is obvious, uh, you know, or else I'd be a little shy taking those kind of photos. Yeah. But the whole weekend I was dealing with that. So I didn't get to relax at all. So Paul and I decided, I said to Paul, I, I don't, I'm like, I don't know if I should talk about this or not because it's kind of boring. Like, Dan Bongino appears in a photo. Um, so I didn't really have an angle on it, even though the story's <laughs> about me. So Paula said, here's the angle, because we have to get something interesting. Now that we have somewhat of a public profile, not huge, but enough that people recognize us pretty often going out, Paula's going to institute a background check policy for all photos. Oh, no. Everyone who asks for a photo. Fo- <laughs> of course, I'm kidding, folks. I'm not this pretentious. But this is what the left wants you to do, because remember, Joe, the fact that Obama appeared in a photo with Louis yeah. Farrakhan, known anti-Semite who calls Jews termites, um, and that Hillary Clinton's in a picture fixing the lapels of Harvey Weinstein. Uh, uh, you know Harvey Weinstein of, uh, of yeah. Hollywood uh, infamy now. Yeah. None of that matters. Apparently, if you're in a photo with someone who asks you for a selfie, you're not <laughs> responsible for their entire litany of behavior for the rest of their lives. So a couple points. Paula will be instituting a full resume background check policy. If you request a selfie in public now, please have your resume, your social, and your mother's maiden name ready. Paula will have one of those little square things. We're going to be running credit cards because it costs us money to process your name. This may take 20 to 25 minutes, but we're going to use an instant fact finder kind of thing. And if you have any criminal history at all, or there's ever been a negative Google story about you, I'm sorry, but we can't take the photo. No, Paula's going to do it. There's going to be now. Of course, I'm I'm being ridiculous and stupid because this is what the left (laughs) is now. But secondly, I I actually don't have a problem with this, Joe, because I don't get out a lot. So although I've probably taken conservatively close to 5000 photos, Joe, am I kidding? You've been with me at Uh, CPAC. And again, Mm -hmm. folks, I say this with no air of pretension. I'm not trying to sound like Captain Know-It-All. I'm just trying to state the obvious that if you have any kind of a public profile at all, People don't ask for autographs anymore. They ask for selfies. You're going to take pictures with people. I had a conversation with a pretty prominent media guy on the conservative side who shall remain nameless this weekend. And he's like, hell, I'm in pictures with all kinds of people. I don't know who any of these people are. Yeah. But I don't have an issue with this, folks. This is actually A-OK. Because we have the Democrat primary season coming up in 2020, Joe. And this could be great. 
Because you know Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, uh, all of these left-wing radicals running for president are going to take pictures with some real psychos. Sure. So I'm actually cool with this. We're now responsible for every photo we take. Okay, let's roll with this. So I want my um, my army of followers out there and our listeners who I deeply appreciate and I love to death to track on Twitter photos of every single person that appears <laughs> in these pictures with these Dem candidates. We're not going to stalk anybody, but if anyone you know has done something negative and has a has a uh, any kind of a criminal background, those candidates are responsible for taking that photo. There we go. There we go. And for Rick Wilson, by the way, and Charlie Sykes, the never Trump lunatics who promoted this. Stay tuned for some really interesting Rick Wilson stuff. Now, Charlie Sykes, we know you can read the Daily Coast piece about Charlie Sykes and his history with the casting couch at his last job. Uh, he got let go from in Wisconsin. No, never Trumper. That You can just check that out on your own. But Rick Wilson, yeah, stay tuned for that one. Yeah, sometimes, Rick, sometimes it's best to stay quiet. Oh, Just a little. Shh. Oh. Stay tuned, folks. Coming soon. Intentionally. All right. Today's show, I got a lot to get to today, including explosive new information about something I warned you about, I don't know, six months ago, inside joke. Eric Prince. Oh, six months ago. That, oh, Eric Prince. Who's yeah. that? What is that? Uh, stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. All right. Today's show brought to you by my buddies at Teeter. I love Teeter. Hey, decompressing on a Teeter inversion table is one of the best things I could do for myself. I do it before the show, after the show, after workouts. It helps with my arthritis. It helps me elongate my spine. I've had back problems my entire life, not since using Teeter. I used it when I was in the Secret Service uh, Academy as an instructor. They had an inversion table. It takes that pressure off your spine. I love it. It is absolutely fantastic. I feel like a new man when I get off it. It's good for my shoulders, too. Some products I talk about I use regularly. Some, uh, not so much. But this product I use not only regularly, but multiple times each day. Over 3 million people have put their trust in Teeter inversion tables. They're the best known name in inversion tables since 1981. For a limited time, you can get Teeter's brand new 2019 upgraded model of the inversion table, the Teeter Fit Spine, with bonus accessories, stretch max handles, an easy reach ankle system, plus a free inversion program mat with 24 illustrated stretches and exercises. Teeter inversion tables have thousands of reviews on Amazon. Amazon, they're rated 4.6 stars. And with this deal, get a load of this, you'll get $150 off when you go to teeter.com. Slash Dan. That's T E E T E R. Teeter.com slash Dan. You'll get free shipping, free returns, a 60 day money back guarantee, but you won't need it. There's no risk for you to try it out. You're going to love this thing. Remember, you can only get the 2019 Teeter Fit Spine Inversion Table plus a free inversion program app by going to teeter.com slash Dan. That's teeter.com slash Dan. I promise you. Check this thing out. If you are suffering from back pain, this is the solution. Decompress that spine. All right, let's get to the content today. So we found out. Uh, through uh, I spoke about this on Fox and Friends this morning. We found out this weekend through a Chuck Ross story at the Daily Caller that I have in the show notes today at Bongino.com. They're attached to every podcast by links. Mm -hmm. That liberal-leaning groups, including far-left uh, billionaire activist George Soros, has funded the Democracy Integrity Project founded by uh, Dan Jones, former Dianne Feinstein staffer, for a very long time. You're like, what? What, what, what the heck was that all? Well, here's the lead. Far left money, dark money, has been funding these anti-Trump collusion hoax conspiracy theories from day one. Now, folks, before I get to Eric Prince, I warned you about this on Friday during last week's show and during a number of shows the week before when I was in Vietnam as well. 
The real scandal here is not simply the collusion hoax based on the dossier, okay? What's starting to come out now is a deeper connection through that Daily Caller story, a deeper connection between Russians connected to Putin and prominent Democrats and Democrat donors. Now, I said to you last week, uh, I said, what could possibly be worse? Devin Nunes keeps hinting, Republican who knows all the facts in this case, keeps hinting at a scandal worse than the dossier. And Joe, as we said last week and the week before, right. what could possibly be worse than using fake information to spy on people in the FISA court? What could it be? Well, what it could be is fake Russian information. Oh, that is intentional disinformation. Right. Now, ladies and gentlemen, before I jump to this Prince thing, I want you to make this connection here. Soros Money is funding a group run by a former staffer Diane Feinstein on the Democrat side, she's a senator who sits on the Senate Intel Committee. This staffer, Dan Jones, has been reaching out to another senator on that committee, Mark Warner, another Democrat. Hmm. That Senator Dan Jones is working with a guy named Adam Waldman. That guy, Adam Waldman, is also working on behalf of Russian oligarch deeply connected to Putin, Oleg Deripaska, who the FBI had a relationship with. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm asking the question here. What is a prominent Democrat staffer being funded by Soros money and other far-left billionaire money? You can read the report yourself. What is he doing dealing with a lawyer whose other client or he's working on behalf of is a prominent Russian connected to Putin? Ladies and gentlemen, is there an active disinformation campaign from the Russians flowing through Democrat staffers into the media to paint Donald Trump as a Russian colluder? Again, what's worse than fake dossier information? A hoax? <laughs> Intentional Russian intelligence yep. disinf- putting disinformation into our American media to propagandize people. I've been telling you this for months now. This is what's worse than fake information. Mm. Active disinformation from Russians. This is an important story. Nunes, as a matter of fact, to quote Devin Nunes, this is an important story. <laughs> Nunes, who uh, he knows this. Nunes understands this whole saga. He's the Republican who's been looking into this from the House side for months. He has seen the classified documents. What is worse than fake information? Fake information from Russians. That's intended to disrupt America being shuttled potentially through Democrat staffers working now on behalf of far left dark money. Big story. Mm -hmm. The second story, and this is critical. I warned you about this one. What did I tell you all months ago? Months ago. It may be a year ago. I don't know. I lose track of time here. I said you were going to hear the name Eric Prince come up often. So shifting for a second, the lead we got to before is that Russian disinformation, I believe, may be being shuttled through Democrat operatives funded by far-left money who are connected to Senate staffers on the Intel Committee investigating Donald Trump. The second part of this, I have said to you for a while now that this was a setup, that all of the contacts between the Trump team and people connected to the Russians have deeper, more profound context to the Democrats in the Clinton space. So if your allegations are that contacts with Russians are malignant, malicious, and potentially criminal by Donald Trump, 
Why are we not investigating those very same Russian contacts with the Clinton orbit? Eric Prince is the key to all of this. No, not all of it. I don't want to be hyperbolic. Eric Prince is Betsy DeVos, cabinet secretary, education secretary of the Trump administration's brother. He was the former head of Blackwater. He founded Blackwater. Mm-hmm. Eric Prince was in a, uh, a, a did a press junket this weekend. Uh, and uh, during the press junket, he admitted he was in a 2016 Trump Tower meeting where he met with Trump campaign officials. Their story is up at the Hill. Yeah. Um, folks, by the way, if you want to see these headlines where uh, uh, Paula puts them up on the screen so you can follow along at home, uh, you can listen to the audio. Of course, I'll explain it for you. But our YouTube.com slash Bongino, our YouTube channel, we have the video of the show now, the full show up. And Paula's kind enough to put these headlines and snippets up on the screen where you can follow at home. Maybe a little more easy for you. I don't care. However you listen is up to you. I'm just trying to make it easier for you. That's why we have the video up, YouTube.com slash Bongino. But The Hill is reporting that, wow, in contrast to Eric Prince's prior statements that he really wasn't involved with the campaign, he attended this meeting in 2016 at Trump Tower between these uh, between these officials for connected to Middle Eastern governments and uh, uh, who wanted to help out the Trump campaign. So this is being portrayed as a bombshell. Now, I warned you months ago, Prince's name was going to resurface. Why? Because I believe, ladies and gentlemen, Eric Prince was set up too. Now, the, when you all you have to do is research the facts here, and it's obvious. I want to go to a cut. A, a snippet, excuse me, from this Hill piece, right? Inside the Hill piece. I'm not sure the author knows what she has here, but she has something. She may be naive to it, so I'll explain. This is from the Hill piece. The New York Times reported last year that Prince organized a 2016 meeting at Trump Tower that included Don Jr., Lebanese-American businessman George Nader. During that meeting, Nader reportedly said the UAE and Saudi Arabia wanted to aid Trump in his bid for the White House. Fascinating. George Nader. I forget Paula puts it up on the screen. I used to have to look down. I used to take screenshots of everything to make it easy for myself. But uh, now it's up on the screen. I can read it from there. So the meeting was set up by this guy, George Nader. George Nader set up another meeting, too, mm-hmm. between uh, Eric Prince and people connected to foreign governments. But who is George Nader? George Nader is this connected businessman who's now being represented by who? The Obama White House fixer. You know that show Scandalous where the Kerry Washington, the woman in the show, is the fixer? Obama had a fixer too, Uh but it wasn't Kerry Washington. It was Catherine Rumbler, his White House lawyer. She was the fixer on Benghazi. She was the fixer on the Secret Service scandal. She was the fixer on the IRS scandal. Google it. Catherine Rumbler. Obama fixer. You'll see a litany of articles I come up with her being granted that title. Unofficially, of course. She was the fixer. Ladies and gentlemen, Obama's fixer, his lawyer, is George Nader's attorney. Of all the attorneys <laughs> in all the world, if, if, if you believe in string theory in multiple universes, of all the attorneys everywhere, this is the one attorney who's representing a guy who's setting up these meetings between foreign governments and the Trump team. You don't sense anything remotely suspicious here. This is rarely, if ever, reported on as a prominent story. Of all the lawyers in all the world, 
Obama's fixer is the one representing the guy who keeps setting up these suspicious meetings between foreign governments and the Trump team. And when I say suspicious, I don't mean illegal. I mean suspicious because the media keeps saying they're suspicious, but (laughs) never investigates the end game at all that, well, Nader set these up and Nader's being represented by Obama people while he's cooperating with Mueller. Well, who told Nader to set these meetings up? Is anybody asking this question? Is anybody even remotely curious? Now, there's another meeting he set up. So keep in mind, meeting number one, which George Nader, being represented by Obama's lawyer, his fixer, right? he sets up a meeting at Trump Tower where Prince, I told you Prince was going to, his name was going to come up again because I believe Prince was set up too. You see where I'm going with this, Joe? I believe that yeah. the, that Obama connected people set these meetings mm-hmm. up to foster a narrative that Trump was colluding with foreign powers. That was it. That's the only purpose of these meetings. Notice they don't allege anything criminal was agreed to. Folks, listen. However untoward and lacking some scruples some of these meetings may or may not have been, there's no allegation that foreign governments actually credible. I'm not talking about the collusion hoax and these other things. I'm talking about actual evidence. There's nothing Bob Mueller's surfaced. There's nothing the House investigators have surfaced. Mm -hmm. Senate investigators have concluded no collusion. There is no tangible evidence at all that any government has illegally assisted the Trump campaign. Joe, can we agree on that? Yes, we can, Dan. That is not, thank you, that is not out there anywhere. Nobody has found that at all. Mm -hmm. All they have is insinuations that people connected to foreign governments like Nader and others have showed up and foreign governments have expressed an interest in helping the Trump campaign, of which there is no allegation credible anywhere that the Trump campaign took any of this help at all. In other words, if Joe's running for president, a guy Mm -hmm. shows up at the meeting and says, hey, the government of Ireland wants to help Joe be elected president and Joe does nothing about it. Ladies and gentlemen, there's no crime. There's no nothing. It's that's a... That's a non-story. That's a complete non-entity. But the fact that the United Kingdom fed the Obama administration, we know this as reported by CNN and others. The United Kingdom and other Five Eyes partners and other intelligence partners shared negative intel about the Trump campaign with the Obama team. That's actual collusion with the United States government. Nobody's interested in that at all. I don't want to get off track here because I want to focus on Nader. Nader sets up this meeting. This meeting winds up making it into the uh, uh, winds up making it into the the uh, the Hill newspaper or the Hill's uh, online outlet. And it's just again, oh, evidence. Look, there's something nefarious. The Saudis and the United Arab Emirates wanted to help Trump get elected. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, also, folks, Susan Rice, Obama's national security advisor, used the United Arab Emirates meeting with the Trump campaign and Trump team as a predicate reason to unmask them, to unmask members of the Trump team. You you tracking what I'm putting down? Hey, go set up this meeting with the Trump team. Say these foreign governments want to help. We're going to accuse Trump of colluding later. And by the way, once you set up the meeting, we're going to use these meetings as a reason to unmask the Trump team. Folks, it's patently obvious what's going on here. Now, he set up another meeting. I didn't get lost. This is important. When I say he, I'm talking about Nader. Represented by Obama's lawyer. Nader sets up a meeting with Eric Prince, again, who surfaces again, in the Seychelles, 
with two people from the Russian Direct Investment Fund. Now, this is a quote from Salon.com, a far-left radical website that did a report a while ago on dark money flowing around the world, the Panama Papers, and some shady influence of the Clinton Foundation. Mm -hmm. This is from Salon.com. Keep in mind, so no one can tell you here, by the way, oh, oh, this is some right-wing nonsense. This is from a left-leaning website. Let me give you some background here. Nader sets up this meeting in the Seychelles with Eric Prince and investors from this Russian direct investment fund run by a guy, Kirill Dmitriev. So Obama's fixer represents a guy that sets up these two suspicious meetings. This is from Salon.com talking about the guys, uh, the Russian direct investment fund and its connection to the Clinton team. They say, moreover, Bill Clinton has garnered numerous speech uh, has garnered enormous fees for speeches in Saudi Arabia. Wow, that's convenient, Joe. Yeah. Didn't they just say in the Hill piece that Nader was expressing an interest with Saudi Arabians help helping? So, has garnered enormous fees for speeches in Saudi Arabia, investigative reporter Michael Lizikoff points out, including 600K for two talks while Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State. Oh, here's where it gets juicy. This is where the real spice comes in. In his report on the Clinton machine's ties to Saudi Arabia, Lizikoff also notes that two Clinton lobbyist bundlers, this is great, Richard Sullivan and David Jones, are principals in an affirm that until late last year, represented the Russia Direct Investment Fund, a sovereign wealth fund founded by Putin when he was prime minister. Oh, isn't that spectacular? Spectacular. So let's just walk through this here. Let's get the lead out in front. (laughs) A Lebanese-connected businessman who's now being represented by literally Obama's fixer set up two meetings with the Trump team where allegations of foreigners trying to help the Trump team have surfaced as evidence to prosecute Trump. The problem is the foreigners and the foreign governments that allegedly were trying to help the Trump team have spent enormous amounts of money funding Bill Clinton's speeches. (laughs) And the same guy, Nader, who sets up this second meeting in the Seychelles, sets it up with Kirill Dmitriev, who runs an investment fund that was that was backed, being repped by two big Clinton lobbyist bundlers. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, the Mueller allegations that Donald Trump, what did I tell you? They were going to switch mm-hmm. to Middle East collusion soon, and yeah. they were going to use Eric Prince. We only told you this a year ago now. The people Prince is meeting with are connected to Obama and Clinton. These foreign governments backed Clinton, paid him massive amounts of money. Nobody seems to care about this at all. It is amazing what they are getting away with here. No one wants to report about the Clinton-Saudi ties. No one wants to report about the Clinton bundlers ties to the Russian Direct Investment Fund. No one wants to report that Nader, the guy who's setting this stuff up, that Nader has extensive connections to Democrat politicians. No one wants to report that Nader's being represented by Obama's lawyer. All they want to report on is that the Trump team had meetings with some people who allegedly expressed interest in helping Trump get reelected that the Trump team never took him up on. 
Nobody wants to talk about the actual collusion. What were Clinton lobbyists and bundlers doing representing an investment fund uh, started by Vladimir Putin? What were those Clinton lobbyist bundlers doing with an investment fund that met with this guy, Eric Prince, in a meeting set up by Obama's fixer? You still think this wasn't a setup? (laughs) Can you explain to me with a straight face how this is not even remotely suspicious? What is Dan Jones, Democrat staffer working for Feinstein, doing working with a lobbyist lawyer who is also working with a Russian directly connected to Putin? Folks, the big scandal here has nothing to do with Donald Trump. The big scandal here has everything to do with the Clintons, their ties to Saudi Arabia, their ties to foreign money in the Clinton Foundation, their ties to the Russian Direct Investment Fund, and how all of the people who seem to meet with Donald Trump are intimately connected to the Clinton-Obama orbit. They are the ones pushing these people into this nonsense about foreign collusion. Not to mention the Trump Tower meeting, which we've only addressed a thousand times, where the people that show up all have connections to the Clintons. The translator had worked in the State Department with Hillary Clinton, Renat Akhmetshin, the Russian intel-connected guy who shows up for the meeting at Trump Tower with Don Jr. This is a separate meeting. As, as uh, also expressed publicly that he knows people in the Clinton orbit, that he's connected to their staff. The Russian lawyer that shows up is already working for the company hired by Mrs. Clinton, Fusion GPS, that's also taking money from far-left activists. Folks, when is the public going to wake up? Tie this to Friday's show, which went crazy on YouTube, by the way. Thank you very much. I guess all the charts and stuff are helping. Mm. Go back and watch Friday's show on our YouTube channel. I think you'll appreciate it differently. When, when I tie together that, that Civil War date, how that mm-hmm. uh, Civil War broke out in the third week of July in 2017, and I put up all the charts, tie that to today's show, and you'll see what I'm talking about. I'm not making this up, folks. These people were set up. These people who are involved in these meetings with Trump folks are connected to the Clinton people. All right. Frustrating how the media just does not want to do even basic homework on us. By the way, folks, I'm serious. Challenge Uh anything I have to say. Is Nader not being represented or wasn't being represented by Obama's White House lawyer? I dare you to challenge me on that. I dare you. Is that Salon.com report? On the, on the meetings Nader set up with Prince and these, this Russian, are those Russians not connected to Clinton lobbyist bundlers? Are they not? Is that Salon report wrong? Did Clinton not take money from Saudi after Obama's uh, lawyer's client sets up a meeting at Trump Tower where they're alleging the Saudis didn't want to help Trump? Did Susan Rice not already admit She was unmasking people due to uh, Trump's meetings with the suspicious meetings with the United Arab Emirates. Challenge me on it. I dare you. You won't. They just want to make it go away. Hmm. All right. Today's show also brought to you by buddies at Quip. Quip is what, uh, listen, uh, we got to, you got to brush your teeth. Your mouth health is so important. I mean, you've seen stories on this over and over. If you don't brush your teeth, keep your teeth healthy. Uh, That stuff can lead to all kinds of problems down the road. A healthy mouth is the key to a healthy life. Uh, Quip, it's like a power washing for your mouth. It's a better electric toothbrush created by dentists and designers. Quip was designed to make brushing your teeth simple, affordable, and even enjoyable. It has sensitive sonic vibrations that are gentle on your sensitive gums. You won't get red gums when you're done. 
sometimes people brush too hard. And a lot of these other electric toothbrushes are just way too abrasive. It has pulsers and timers. So you brush just the right amount of time so you don't wrap up too early. Remind you, you have to keep going. You have to get all that plaque off your teeth uh, and then that, that buildup you get in there. Up to 90% of people don't brush long enough. This multi-use cover they'll send with you mounts to your mirror and unmounts to slide over your bristles for on-the-go brushing. Declutters your sink and cabinet. You don't need all this garbage. Just attach it right to your mirror. Quip doesn't require or require a clunky charger and runs for three months on one charge. Brush heads are automatically delivered on the dentist's recommended schedule every three months for just $5. Three out of four of us use bristles that are too old. You won't have that problem. You'll get replacement heads every three months for just $5. Where are you going to beat that? Quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the ADA, American Dental Association, has thousands of verified five-star reviews. I love Quip. They're backed by over 20,000 dental professionals. Quip starts at just $25. If you go to getquip, Q-U-I-P.com slash Dan right now, get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash Dan. That is getquip.com slash Dan. Okay, uh, moving on. I've got a lot of stuff to get through. There's a lot in the news. Um, I spent a little more time on that than I intended. You know, I'm fascinated by mm. this, how this whole thing was a setup and how media people are so incredibly yeah. incurious. But uh, well, just to wrap this up, one one quick note on this. Andy McCarthy has a really terrific piece, as he always does at National Review. I have in the show notes. The show notes are long today, about seven or eight articles. I try to limit it mm-hmm. to five or six, but there's so much good stuff. So please go to Bongino.com or subscribe to my email list and read the show notes today. Paula put it up on the YouTube screen there. You can just click on the subscribe button, and we will send you uh, these articles every day from our, uh, our uh, website. I try to get the best ones. So McCarthy points out an interesting piece, uh, an interesting component in his piece here that Manafort, who was uh, convicted uh, or sentenced, excuse me, to 47 months in prison last week, right. Paul Manafort, former mm-hmm. campaign manager for Trump for 100 days, Joe, that still to this day, again, just highlighting what we've been talking about at the beginning of the show, has not produced a single scintilla of evidence of actual collusion with the Russians or actual collusion with any foreign government, for that matter, right. and the Trump team. Yeah. But now Andy Andy McCarthy, who is a very sober analyst, does not carry water for anyone, points out that it's clear from the allegations that Mueller probably had some shady business dealings, which he's already pled guilty to. So this, I'm not defending Paul Manafort. I have no reason to defend Paul Manafort. Mm-hmm. I do have a reason, though, to defend Donald Trump because I believe he's done absolutely nothing wrong. But he does point out in the piece that a lot of what he's charged with has nothing to do with collusion, but does have a lot to do with his connections to the Ukrainian government. Now, folks, it's important you understand why the Obama administration and the Clintons had an interest in Manafort from the very beginning, because as I saw, a couple of people on Twitter are starting to catch up. I'm not, I don't, I don't mean to sound, say that the wrong way, because it sounds like I'm trying to take credit for this. And a lot of people have done great work. Mm-hmm. I, folks, let me be crystal clear to all the Twitter people out there. You know who you are, who are doing fantastic. The list goes on and on. You have Jeff Carlson out there. Um, Chuck Ross, these are everybody. I am not in any way taking credit for it, but I got from a source of mine a long time ago, and we've been promoting for a while, the fact that this entire case was a movie script already written. Yeah. The movie script was written in that 2007 Wall Street Journal article by Glenn Simpson with his wife. And in that movie script, the antagonist, the bad guy, the Kaiser Sose is Paul Manafort. Paul Manafort's movie script, where Paul Manafort's the bad guy, was simply used in the dossier. He is the central figure in the dossier and the entire anti-Trump conspiracy because the movie script was already written. It was basically just replace the names. It was information on demand. But what's fascinating is despite all the investigations by Mueller, Glenn Simpson, and all these other people had it in for Manafort, all they've managed to prove, Joe, as McCarthy writes, 
is that Manafort, quote, was an unregistered agent of the government of Ukraine. He functioned as an agent of Viktor Yanukovych, Ukraine's prime minister from 2010 to 2014, and of two political parties, the Party of Regions and its successor, the opposition bloc. McCarthy points out, Manafort was not an unregistered agent of Russia. Mueller never alleged that Manafort was a a clandestine operative of the Kremlin. He worked for Ukraine, not Putin. Indeed, for much of the time in Ukraine, he pushed his client's interests against Putin's interests. I'm not defending Manafort. I'm simply making this case, folks, because, again, as we were to tie this together, as I was telling you before about Eric Prince, everybody is ignoring the Obama team connections to the guy who sets up these meetings with Prince. They said, look, Eric Prince connected to his sisters in the Trump cabinet. This is evidence of collusion. It's not evidence of it. It's evidence of a setup of Eric Prince and how they're ignoring on the other side the connections to the Obama team. And the connections between these Russians, their investment fund and Clinton bundlers and Saudi money going to the Clinton team, they ignore the the Clinton stuff and the Dem stuff, and they focus on the Mirage Trump stuff. The same thing's happening here at Manafort. They focus on his work for Ukrainian Viktor Yanukovych, head of state for a while, but they ignore Joe, as McCarthy points out in his piece, two other points. Hmm. That Obama's people, Joe... People connected to the Obama sphere, people who worked in the Obama administration were connected to it. We're also working for a Ukrainian. Who? Miss Tim Yashenko, who was an opponent of Yanukovych. So let me get this straight. You're processing Matt, you're pro- prosecuting, excuse me, Manafort for connections to the Ukrainian government and not registering. <laughs> but where have we seen any Clinton people go to jail or be sentenced to 47 months? For working for uh, Tim Yashenko. Even better. Clinton-connected people were in the Ukraine working for Viktor Yushchenko, who was another Ukrainian power broker, who the Russians attempted to off at one point, by the way. Where are the charges against them for being unregistered foreign agents? Yeah, exactly. There, a little static there? You're not going to find anything. You're not going to find anything because they are not prosecuting the Democrats. I've told you from the start, the whole intention of the Mueller probe uh-huh. is to keep the heat and the attention on Donald Trump for fictitious connections to foreign governments, for Manafort and taking money from Ukraine while ignoring the exact same connections or the exact same money trail on the Democrat side. None of this bothers anybody in the media. They've completely ignored this. Folks, you have to understand. Ukraine was a, was a magnetic financial money pull for people in the political space. Did you ever see that movie, Joe? I'm not, I'm not sure if you did. I, I think Sandra Bullock was it. Yeah, she was. Uh. She plays a political consultant connected to uh, American politics. She goes down to South America to uh, basically run a campaign for a, a South American uh, uh, who later on became a, a terrible. I, it's, 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 I, I forget the it, name of the movie. It's, it's kind of hazy. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> the, the movie's semi decent. It's partially based on a true story. Uh-huh. But folks, there's nothing unusual. I'm not saying nothing untoward. I'm just saying there's nothing unusual about American political consultants going to foreign governments to try to polish up the image of people running. And some of these people are very shady. And some of them in Ukraine were very shady. Oh, daddy. 
I'm simply suggesting to you if we're going to prosecute this criminally now, as we've done with Manafort, then where are the Obama people? Are they not going to go to jail for their backing of Tim Yushchenko? What about Clinton's people for backing Yushchenko? I'm just asking a question. All right. Nice. All right, let's get to the news, too. I got a lot more news. Mondays are always packed. I drove. Yeah. <laughs> so my wife and I were driving up to my mother-in-law's to drop off my little daughter who loves going to grandma's house so much. And uh, you know, I can't drive because my arm. By the way, arm update. Joe, medical yeah. malady update. Check it out. You see uh, that? Uh, look at that. I'm, I'm down to Band-Aids now. <laughs> look at that. Band-Aids. It's, it, it's, it, it's still, look, my arm is shaved right here. And that look funny? And it's bending a little bit. You see that? Yeah, Got a man. little bend in there. Yeah, it looks like a little yeah, boo-boo so we're doing now, better. you know? It's getting better. <laughs> yeah, but I still can't drive far. I can go locally, but I can't drive very far. It's tough. So I was driving, and my wife said, you know what? Let's get the show ready for tomorrow, because Monday's always stacked, so I have to start it on Sunday. I usually just get up early in a weekday. A weekday. So I was driving my wife crazy. I was sending her all these cuts. So I got a lot of news to get through today. A lot of stuff broke over the weekend that's going to be really fascinating. So uh, stay tuned. Hey, there's nobody on a planet like you. So why would you buy a generic mattress built for everyone else? Come on, that doesn't make any sense. Helix Sleep, the most comfortable mattress out there. We have a Helix Sleep mattress. It's amazing. Built a quiz. It takes just two minutes, just two to complete, and they use the answers to match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress. Are you a side sleeper like me? A hot sleeper? Definitely me. Drives my wife crazy. I get, keep the AC down at like 42 degrees. You like a plush or a firm bed with Helix? There's no more guessing or confusion. Just go to helixsleep.com slash Dan, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a mattress that'll give you the best sleep of your life. For couples, Helix can even split the mattress down the middle, providing individual support needs and feel preferences for each one of you. They have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. You'll never send it back there. You're going to sleep like a baby. Right now, Helix is offering up to $125 off all mattress orders. Get up to $125 off at helixsleep.com slash Dan. That's helixsleep.com slash Dan for up to $125 off your mattress order. helixsleep.com slash Dan. Folks, this is a super comfortable mattress. My daughter has one. My wife frequently falls asleep reading her books at night because it is such a comfortable mattress. Okay. Uh, I was on Fox and Friends this morning, and um, I always love Fox and Friends because they give me the opportunity to uh, kind of rock and roll a little bit. You know, mm -hmm. uh, it's the segments are a little longer. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just the formatics thing for the show because the show is longer. It's, it's three hours, unlike some other shows, which just as a matter of time have to kind of get everything, you know, in, stuck into an hour. So they'll let you go. And um, this morning I was asked about the Democrats' failure to rebuke Ilhan Omar for her obviously anti-Semitic comments um, and how Omar now, Representative Ilhan Omar from Minnesota, uh, is now turning on Obama himself, who has basically claimed that Obama's hope and change was a mirage, was basically a big fake. Now, this is fascinating, Joe. Hmm. This is a radical far-left Democrat, Ilhan Omar, radical. Um, who is now turning on Obama himself, who is I mean, unquestionably an icon on the left. I mean, right. the left think he's the greatest president since Abraham uh, Lincoln. So this was fascinating, but I was glad I got to go a little bit because I want to put something out there and I want to give you a couple news stories showing that what I'm telling you is absolutely correct. Ladies and gentlemen, there are two types of revolutions. You have the American Revolution bedrocked in big R, God-given rights and individual liberty. The idea that the sole purpose of a constitution is to limit the power of government over men, to, to lay out a document of negative liberties for the government, what the government can't do to you. 
Um, they cannot infringe on your religion, your right to bear arms, your right to assemble, to petition the government. Uh, these are these are revolutions bedrocked in the idea that we are granted inalienable rights by God, that you are born free, and government's role is to preserve that freedom, and that the powers we give to government should be relegated to areas of mass consensus, the idea that we should fund the military to protect those freedoms and protect our country, that government should never be empowered to diminish the individual liberty space. Now, when you look at other revolutions, revolutions based in state power that have gone awry, whether it's the French Revolution or the examples from history or myriad, they're all over the place. There's just a cornucopia of, of, of disastrous state power revolutions um, all over the, in every sphere of the world. When you look at revolutions not based in individual liberty, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom to assemble, that these are God-given rights, not government-given rights. And when you look at revolutions that try to empower government, all of these revolutions always eat themselves alive. Ladies and gentlemen, they are always cannibalistic. Because if the goal of your revolution is to empower the state and not empower the individual, there is no endgame. Joe, if I, if I confuse you here, stop me, because this yeah, is a very man. important point I want you to understand, because it will explain from a 65,000-foot view here why what's happening right now within the Democrat Party, this revolution, is destined to implode. Not explode, implode, a collapse on itself. All right. When you're bedrocked, your revolution, like our American revolution was, in the idea that power resides within the individual granted to you by God, and that power is freedom, there is an emergency break on what you could do. There's a natural rate-limiting effect of what you're going to do. You fight to free people, so people are free from the restraints of government. That is the goal. There's an end game to be reached. When you're free, you're free. You can't be more free. In other words, Joe, you're either free to speak, free to petition, free to assemble, and free to practice your religion, or you're not. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, you're free. There's an emergency break. Mm -hmm. You're free or you're not, babe, as Joe would say. There's a finish line. Right. We are free. We freed ourselves from the yoke of 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 the king. We were now a free country. Now, I'm not suggesting that freedom doesn't have to be maintained, as Jefferson and and others have said repeatedly. You know, that that tree of liberty has to be uh has to be watered. Mm. But there is a goal to be reached. And that goal can be reached. And when it's reached, you're there. Now you just maintain it. State power revolutions. What's happening now in the Democrat Party with this far left lurch towards socialism and other things. There's no finish line, Joe. First it becomes, let's tax people at 70%. Then it becomes, how about 75 then in a race to out-radical each other. Because remember, it's in sta- if state power is a good thing, right. more state power, Joe, is a better thing. <laughs> so 75% <laughs> yeah. tax rates. Uh, how about 90%? I got an idea, Bernie Sanders. How about 91? Then candidate uh, X comes across. How about 96? How about 96.5? Then it goes, well, how about 100%? Now you may say, well, of course you've reached the finish line. Oh, no, no, you haven't. Now I've got an idea. How about not just do it? We don't only confiscate everything. Everybody's worth all the time. How about if they don't work because they don't want to work anymore because the government's confiscating their stuff? How about we send our jackbooted thugs in just to steal their stuff and make them work? Well, what if they don't want to work? I got an idea. How let's torture them into work. 
No, I got an idea. Let's not just talk. Let's kill them if they don't work. Oh, man, Dad, come on. This is hyperbolic. Really? Is it? The Great Famine in Mao's China? Stalin's gulags? Torture going on in North Korean prison camps, uh, political prisoner camps right now? This isn't happening? Maduro in Venezuela sending his thugs into villages to beat up people that support Juan Guaido? You're telling me this isn't happening? Have you ignored history? Did you miss the guillotine in France? Off with their heads! That's not a joke. That happened. People like actually lost their heads. It's not just a Kathy Griffin, Donald Trump thing. This actually happened. Because there's no finish line in state power revolutions. Let's take their money. They don't want to give their money. Well, let's just steal it. Okay, well, won't you steal them? Well, let's steal our homes too. Now let's steal their food. Okay, they're not farming anymore. They don't want to work because we have to. We, we stole their stuff. Ah, just beat them to death. That'll scare everyone. Well, they don't like being beaten to death. Throw them in prison. Ah, just kill them all. Starve the whole yeah. country. Hundreds of millions of people, not figuratively, literally have died due to state power revolutions. Now, you may be saying, gosh, this is a long ways from where you started with Ilhan Omar and her comments about Obama. No. No, it's not. Folks, this is the first step down this path to a state power revolution where people like Obama. Joe, would you say Obama was a moderate? Serious question. Um. Compared to some some of them that are there now, maybe <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. right. No, no, but I no. Fair enough. That's actually an excellent point. Yeah. Not, not let's p- forget relativity for a minute, though. Uh, I mean, on his objective policies, Obamacare, tax hikes. Would you say any of that was moderate? No. No. Right. right. But you make an excellent point, mm-hmm. almost inadvertently, that mm-hmm. compared to what we're seeing now, yes, Obama looks like a moderate. Yeah. Yeah. Ironically, Joe. Bernie Sanders 2016 <laughs> presidential campaign looks moderate. Yeah. But you understand the point I'm trying to make? Sure, How when yeah. you race towards the end in a state power revolution, there is no end. That it becomes an endless seeking of new, more radical ways to empower the government. You know, let's do Medicare for all. Now let's ban private insurance. Now let's steal the assets of private health insurance companies. Now let's put people in prison who dare to buy private health insurance. This, these will, this will go on and on. It will eat itself alive. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why I constantly focus on Alexandria Cortez, um, Alexandria Cortez, Representative Omar, Bernie Sanders, and others. I don't ignore it because when you highlight it, you show how this is destined destined to cannibalize itself and eat its own as these people race past each other to uh, to try to uh, sign up and subscribe to more radical and radical ideas because there is no limit to the depravity of the ideas you can institute if you believe state power is your end game. Mm. There's two things I want to point out in the news. That uh, the, the Omar story was just the beginning. That isn't even the news story I wanted to highlight. So Omar attacking Obama is not, pretty soon you're going to see uh, Ocasio-Cortez attacking Omar. Oh, she's not <laughs> radical enough. What are you, crazy? And then you're going to see Sanders attacking Cortez. It'll, Folks, this thing will f- collapse on itself. It will eat itself alive. The story I want to focus on is, Joe, even 10 years ago, mm-hmm. the idea of illegal immigration being accepted as mainstream in the United States was yeah. bizarre. 
Yeah. You know, 20 years ago, it, it, Democrats were, were actively, Bill Clinton included, talking about how we had to prevent the illegal immigrants from working in the United States, how mm-hmm. there's a legal immigration process to facilitate immigration, how if you're going to come here, you got to come here legally. Ladies and gentlemen, that was accepted as a mainstream position. It was almost r- ridiculous and absurd to think otherwise. Mm-hmm. Like, who would say otherwise? That people can come here illegally and get the same benefits? Well, what's the point of an immigration system? Folks, that race, that state power revolution that I told you about where people leapfrog each other to get more and more pure in their state power revolution, right? It's happening right now. I have a story up at Bongino.com, which will be in the show notes today, about the Republicans putting in an addendum to a House bill, Joe, that basically condemns illegal immigrants voting in U.S. elections. Mm -hmm. And almost every single Democrat with the exception of a few, almost every Democrat voted against it. <laughs> Think about this, ladies and yeah. gentlemen. Talk about a leapfrog to state purity in a sick, bizarre ideological revolution that is destined to end very badly for the Democrats. They will not even condemn illegal immigrants voting in U.S. elections. Think about this. Where is the, this logically and rationally for a moment? If U.S. citizens mm-hmm. are, are, the, are not the only ones allowed to, if anyone, in the country, for whatever reason, legally or illegally, is allowed to vote. Ladies and gentlemen, I thought we were concerned about foreign collusion. Oh, you see what I did there? You see how the show kind of ties together? So in the beginning, you're worried about meetings between a guy connected to a cabinet official in the Trump team and foreigners connected to Clinton, but you're not at all worried about foreign governments literally having the power to vote in our elections and vote people in office that serve their interests, not ours. That is exactly what you're saying. Please explain to me how if people in the country illegally are allowed to vote in U.S. elections, what would stop massive influxes of people from foreign governments looking to destroy the United States from sending people in to select districts across the country to vote for candidates that back the foreign government, not the United States? Anyone, I'm open to Please explain to me how you're going to stop that. If you don't stop illegals from voting in our elections, it matter of fact, not only that, you won't even condemn it. In other words, you condone it. You don't condemn it. Again, state power revolutions, Joe. Set up your political opponents, use police state spying. There's no stop. There's no limit. Mm. There's no limit to your depravity. You believe in state power. The individual means nothing from each according to their abilities to each according to their needs. What was that line? Alleged, I always say allegedly because you can never quite tell with these quotes, are, but uh, allegedly attributed to prominent uh, uh, Soviets that, uh, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, one death is a horror or a hundred million deaths is a statistic or something. You know, in other words, the yeah. death in your family means something. When you mm-hmm. wipe out a hundred million people for socialism, oh, don't worry about it. The left, the left just ignores it. Socialism is fascism and worse. Anyone who prescribes to this deadly, dangerous, destructive ideology, you pin that socialist label to them from now to the end of their political careers. So the first story again was Ilhan Omar attacking Obama. You're going to see more of this. Ideological purity. You're not pure enough. Illegals now voting. They won't even condemn it, meaning they condone it. This next story is just fascinating because this guy is a complete, utter psychopath. This Brian Fallon, who used to work for the Clinton team. Brian Fallon, I have another story up at the Daily Signal. 
This is insane. Again, a, a, a leap from one radical position to the next in an effort to enshrine the power of the state at any cost. So they're not happy, the left, Joe, obviously, with the Kavanaugh and Gorsuch appointments to the Supreme Court. You know, they tried to sabotage Kavanaugh with Mm -hmm. that absolutely ridiculous, outrageous story uh, that has now been nearly entirely debunked against Kavanaugh. Mm -hmm. So losing on the Supreme Court picks wasn't good enough for Fallon. So I have a story up at the Daily Signal. Uh, He runs this group, apparently, called Demand Justice. And they're looking at packing the courts now, Joe. So keep in mind, there's nothing in the Constitution that limits the Supreme Court to nine justices, but this has been accepted practice uh, since the the late 1800s. And Mm -hmm. FDR tried this and was rebuked by his own party because it's an obvious effort uh, to overturn the will uh, of people elected to appoint Supreme Court justices, people like Donald Trump. Uh, It's an obvious way to, as a matter of fact, in the piece, they make the point that there's uh, there's a quote in there. There's two ways to water down the power of the Supreme Court. Uh, one is to uh, eliminate the judges. Um, secondly, is to pack the court to make their votes uh, basically irrelevant. But this is fascinating. Here's a quote by Fallon. At Demand Justice, we strongly believe that reforming the court, especially by expanding it, is the cornerstone for rebuilding American democracy. And what does he do? He blames the Kavanaugh court. It's a partisan operation. And democracy can't function when stolen courts operate as political uh, shills. We are thrilled to work in coalition with the team at Pack the Courts to undo the politicization the politicization of the judiciary. Mm. So I have an idea. Again, folks, remember the lead. State-powered ideological revolutions have no endgame. This will continue. It'll be Pack the Courts to 11 judges, 15 judges. They will never, when the Democrats lose, they change the rules because the rules don't matter. Because it's a constant leapfrog towards new levels of insanity in a movement that will unquestionably cannibalize itself. Even FDR's attempt to this was rebuked by the overwhelming Democrat majorities he had. I have a suggestion here, though. You know, and you play baseball out there. You know the curveball. I'm doing this on the YouTube channel. Yeah, you, mm-hmm. you got to throw the hook. You, you know, fastball. They used to tell me when I was playing baseball, like, you know, you got to watch the pitcher's hand. If you see this way, you know it's a. F-. You can't see that. It's almost impossible. These guys have whip-like arms. But the curveball sideways and imparts the spin on the seam of the ball. It rotates over and it gives it that curve. Right. Mm-hmm. Good curveball is hard to hit. Looks like it's going to hit you in the head. That's why you see these guys buckling their knees all the time. I'm going to throw you a little curveball here. The Republicans should combat this. This pack the court scheme. And you know how they should pack uh, they should combat this, Joe? Mm. Trump should put out a tweet citing Brian Fallon's quote here, former Hillary activist who now wants to pack the courts to eleven judges, or mm-hmm. maybe more, just to get rid of the effect of these. And Trump should put out a tweet saying, Joe, and I put a little quote here. Uh, you know, I'm ex- Trump should quote express interest in looking into the proposal. <laughs> it's, yeah. All right? Now, what's <laughs> yeah. gonna happen? Oh, now. Think about it. You oh. may say, damn, we don't want to pack the courts. Of course we don't want to pack the courts. But ladies and gentlemen, new rules, right? If the rules don't matter anymore, and mm. when you lose, you can change the rules. Well, they lost. So I, I, Trump doesn't want to go out and openly support on Twitter packing the courts because we use against us. And we don't want to do that. But Trump should, quote, express interest in looking into the proposal. Why? Joe, why would he do that? Because now... What's going to happen? The Democrats will freak out and Fallon (laughs) becomes the bad guy. You idiot. Why'd you give him this idea? You want to play dipsy do flipperoo? You want to throw the hook? Let's throw the slider now. You throw the curveball, we throw the slider. You throw the slider, we throw the knuckleball. You want to hit us with a 
glass-encrusted, razor-blade-encrusted boxing gloves while we're fighting with 20 ounces, we'll take the gloves off. We'll go MMA style. We'll go no-holds-barred, too. You see my point, Joe? Oh, yeah. The minute Trump puts out a piece, <laughs> quote, expressing interest in the proposal, <laughs> the Democrats will go wild. Can you imagine Trump packing the courts with two more conservatives? Packing. I don't mean waiting for Ruth Bader Ginsburg to retire. I mean right now saying, remember, there's no constitutional limitation on that. Mm-hmm. But ladies and gentlemen, let me be clear. I don't say it's a bad idea. But if the Democrats are going to put bad ideas out there that they're even going to consider, then Trump should look at it too and say, I express some interest in looking into it. The Democrats will go wild and Fallon will be painted as the goat he is. And by goat, I don't mean the greatest of all time. Goat is used often these days when talking about the jujitsu players and stuff, right? And basketball players and athletes. I mean the goat, like bad goat. They will run from this clown. What do you think of my idea, Joe? I like it. I think it's, it's quite, good, right? Quite humorous. Yeah. Let's look, <laughs> let's look into this. This packet. Oh, they would go absolutely crazy. All right. Um, last story of the day. I had Great, a yeah. story from the journal. I'm probably not going to get to, but the Trump budget has been put out there. Trump has proposed the 2020 budget. Uh, the budget makes five percent cuts to non-discretionary spending, funds 722 miles of new border by eight billion dollars. Listen, folks, I'm not here to carry water for anyone in the administration or anyone else. You know, I support the Trump administration because I think he's done a darn good job being a conservative president. He deserves our support. But my point in putting this out there is this is his budget. This is what he's willing to sign his name to right now. There's, I've been getting some negative emails from people. Oh, what has Trump done? What do you mean, what has he done? He's cut taxes, lightened the regulatory load, you know, funded hundreds of miles of new border and renovations of old border. Um, he's, he's instituted this travel ban from countries uh, where the Obama administration had said the vetting wasn't appropriate. There's been a lot done in two years. And I get it. You know, it's up mm-hmm. to us to constantly be curmudgeons and complain when things are in our direction. But my point in putting the story out there is, you know, a budget is a statement of a president's priorities. He signed his name to it. It's out there. You just saw the Washington Examiner story. Right. It makes good cuts, solid cuts. It balances the budget within 15 years. Is it going to pass? Not a snowball's chance in hell. The Democrats run the House of Representatives. Listen to me. There's no chance it's going to pass. I'm sorry. We lost the House. It stinks. I wish we hadn't. And not to mention, there are so many rhinos in the Republican caucus anyway. Even if we ran the House, it probably wouldn't pass. They'd be like, cut the budget. We can't do that. Keep in mind, a lot of moderate rhino Republicans are, you know, moderate decliners. Meaning they want to moderate the decline of the United States while the Democrats just want to rush it. There are very few outside of the House Freedom Caucus that would cut anything in government. My point here is, ladies and gentlemen, the guy's trying. It's his budget. He signed his name to it. I'm not sure what else you want the guy to do. He cannot single-handedly pass the budget himself through the House of Representatives. It is his proposed budget. This is what his principles are. Is it the best budget in the world? No, I think there should be more cuts to it. They should be a little more dramatic. But it's a starting point. And for all the criticism, I'm not, again, I'm not here to carry water for anybody. I'm just here to tell you that He's willing to put his name on something that expresses a lot of our values out there. And that's the best he can do right now. This house is run by seemingly insane Democrats. It's not going to get passed. We just don't have the votes. But 2020 is around the corner. There's potential to get some good people in there and at least make some progress. So I'm trying to stay somewhat optimistic. All right, hopefully I'll get to that story tomorrow about um, 
Hey, well, let me just bring it up quick. Paul, yeah. can you throw that Wall Street Journal piece up? We got a minute left. I'll just throw yeah, it in man. there, you know, rather than tease it for tomorrow. It's a good so remember, folks, the tax cuts last year, the Trump's tax cuts. Oh, my gosh, yeah. the federal government's going to lose all kind of money. And the liberals have told you this often how it's going to cost the government. Well, I don't care if it costs the government money. The fact that it gives you your own money back is all that matters to me. I have made the point to you over and over that tax cuts typically lead to an increase in government revenue, not a decrease in government mm-hmm. revenue. Oh, isn't this convenient? Federal tax receipts, folks, on income and payroll are up 5% February from last year. There's a piece from the Wall Street Journal and by the CBO. Tax receipts uh, from October to February are essentially flat, down a mere $4 billion. That's nothing in terms of the federal budget, zero. And the federal budget deficit is rising, folks, not because of the tax cuts, because we're keep in mind, keep that up, Paul. Uh, federal tax revenue is nearly flat. It's up in February, 5%. Again, up. The reverse of the Democrat talking mm-hmm. point. But why is the spending problem getting worse? Because of spending, which is up 6% or $142 billion. Oh, we're in a deficit because of the tax cuts. No, no. Uh, February tax revenue is up, folks. And the five-month tax revenue revenue is flat. Spending is up. Simple as that. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Please subscribe to the podcast, if you don't mind, on iTunes. Uh, we were also available on SoundCloud, on iHeartRadio for Android users where you can follow us there. It's all free. doesn't cost you anything. But it's those actual subscriptions where you get the show every day for free uh, that drive us up the charts. For some reason, uh, iTunes doesn't use downloads, which I find a little strange. But they use subscriptions as a way to measure their uh, their podcast mm-hmm. performance, which helps other people find us. So we really appreciate it. You can always listen to the show up on Gino.com. Download it there as well. Thanks a lot, folks. I'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.